Welcome back to the episode of Crew 3 Podcast. I'm your host, Ruckman, and we are, of course, sponsored by our wonderful support Patreon. That's patreon.com slash crew3mtg to give us a little bit of help, make sure the show and the streams and the, the YouTube stuff keeps going. Also now, affiliated with Gaming. if you can find a link below to that'll take you to our uh, Playmat store on Ink Gaming that also applies our affiliate code if you want to buy something that doesn't have our name on it, but you definitely want to go buy that sweet snowboard playmat for sure. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Chris and Ricky. Gentlemen, say hello. Hey. Hey, how's it going? Uh, what is going on, guys? I mean, you know, unfortunately, hey, I'm, I'm glad we were able to get Chris thought out of the ice. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I'm still mm-hmm. wondering where the caveman is, but we'll figure that out eventually. <clears throat> I had to kill the caveman for food. You killed the caveman? What about the sheriff? Yeah. Uh, no, sheriff is fine. I'm the caveman. Sheriff. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. The, the deputy, however... I, oh. I did. I did also have to eat the deputy. So caveman and deputy both eaten by me for food because uh, I live in the state of Texas and our power grid is <clears throat> basically, you know, those little um, when you were younger and you had those cans, right? You you play a telephone by taking a can and a okay. string attached through the can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the Texas power grid. That's how that's how it works. So okay. <clears throat> it obviously failed given that uh, you know once we hit below freezing and that was without power. For four or five days, hit freezing in the house. So we had to take off for higher ground, and but yeah, I'm alive and better now. So there we go. There you go. There we go. We got Chris back. Ricky and I, of course, had our initial ban list thoughts, and so we felt like it wasn't right to really get a big welcome back to Pioneer episode without Chris. That's sort of what this week's episode is going to be. Uh, so we're going to talk real quickly about hey, they really said Strixhaven now. So we've got five cards from Strixhaven to talk about. We're not really going to. Super go deep and speculate. We're just going to talk about those cards real quick. Then we'll do the the week one, essentially, of Pioneer's metagame now. And then we'll just sort of welcome people back into Pioneer, really kind of break down these top-performing decks, talk about where to get started, what to really think about when you're getting back into, maybe trying to freshly brew into Pioneer. Because, hey, you know, a lot of the top-performing decks are still around, but the Brewers are back. So it's definitely a good time to jump into Pioneer if it's something you've been thinking about. But also before we get started, I do want a quick shout out to new WWE World Champion, The Miz, cashing his money in the bank last night. So uh, can I get a round of applause for The Miz? I don't know who The Miz is. Who's the heavyweight champion of Pioneer, though? That's what the people want to know. Uh, well, we're going to find out. But first, again, let's talk Strixhaven because they said, we know Kaldheim hasn't even been out a month yet, but hey, here's five Strixhaven cards really hype you up, which... Gives us a real feel of kind of where the, the five houses are going to be, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, we, we are sort of enemy-colored houses. Uh, so we have Golgari. So essentially for, for the the boomer match, the paper boomers out there, we have Golgari, Orzov, Simic, Izzet, and Boros. Now is Witherbloom, Silverquill, Quandrix, Prismari, Lorehold specifically, uh, respectively, I mean. Uh, and Mark Rosewater has come out and said that each of these uh, color pairings aren't going to be what the similarities are like with the guilds of Ravnica, what they are going to sort of focus on is like the antithesis of each colors, like sort of how those meet. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, so anyway, real quick, let's run through each of these commands. Um, Witherbloom command, one black, one green for a sorcery, choose two of target player mills, three cards. Then you return a land card from your graveyard to your hand. Destroy target non-land, non-creature, non-land permit with mana value two or less. Target creature gets negative three, negative one to end of turn, or target opponent loses two life and you gain two life. What's a mana value? 
Yeah, that's the big thing too, right? Where it looks like we're moving away from CMC and we're going to mana value now instead. We Save literally run out of space on the yeah, cards. Right, right. Yeah. What happened right. with Calheim? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So now we have to find ways to save uh, letters, mm-hmm. and we might also uh, that also might see a shift to there mm-hmm. rather than his or her, which could be a that's a big win. Yeah, uh, even though it'll be unfortunately done mostly for saving space on cards, so we can write yes. more busted things on the cards. Yeah. Uh, also, they don't say sh- they say shuffle. They showed off a card that just says shuffle. Um, it's Quandrix Command. It's a Demonic Tutor also. The Demonic Tutor says, search your library for a card, put that card oh, into your yeah, hand, the then Oh, yeah, the Mythical Archive. Let, let's, mm. let's, do we want to mention that real fast? So the Mythical Archive, each each draft pack and set booster will now have essentially a Masterpiece card in it. Um, they do not change the set legalities, so Demonic Tutor will not be Pioneer legal. However, most of them will be Historic legal. All of them will be available on, on Arena, but some of them will be made non-Historic legal. Great. More things to worry about and, and things of another reason for Pioneer and Historic to not become the same format. Mm-hmm. Right. So when it says shuffle, can I just get up and start flossing and that's good enough? Or not Not right. the dance? So Yu-Gi-Oh is ahead of us, right? Yu-Gi-Oh got so wordy that they changed um, a lot of things on their cards to save card space. Right. They've had shuffle. Mm-hmm. For like ever on their cards, right? And they work fine. And you know, a lot of people play Yu-Gi-Oh. And I'm not saying anything about the intelligence level of people who play Yu-Gi-Oh, but they've managed fine with the word shuffle on their cards. Surely oh, us sure. big brain magic yeah. players will understand <laughs> how to shuffle. Yeah, I mean it's just a keyword, so it's not like I'm I'm actually worried about it. I just want to know. You know what I'm saying? Can I get up, do the Tusi slide, and uh and we're good to go, or or what's the deal? Uh shuffle stands for uh Short hop L cancel. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> can we talk about magic cards now, please? Can we? Okay. Can now we, get we want these, to talk about magic cards. These, okay. right, can we get through these commands? So we, we don't can, have to uh, talk about the white ones because they're just garbage. No, I would argue that. Anyway, what do you think about Witherbloom Command? Very, very decent card. Minus three, minus one is weird. Um, it's, it's like it's not going to kill much, right? Like the problem is it's competing for uh, Assassin's Trophy, Abrupt mm-hmm. Decay, and the the Grizzly Salvage. Card. The Escalate card. And those are instants. Yeah. And Escalate's uh, not. Brutality is not. Collective yeah. Brutality is not. True, true, true. But like those, that's what it feels like to me. And I feel like in Pioneer, it might be able to push through there. Because like, honestly, it's really interesting because we can just draw a land while milling ourselves while also like doing one of the other three abilities. I think the top ability is the most important ability on this card. Yes, I agree. I think it joins the mix. I think it might get lost in the quote-unquote shuffle, but uh, I do. I think this is a really interesting green-black option. Sure. Uh, all right. Silver Cool Command two and Orzov or choose two target creature gets plus three plus three and flying until end of turn. Return target creature card with greater mana cost value. Man- creature with mana value two or less from your graveyard to your battlefield. Target player draws a card and loses one life. Target opponent sacrifices a creature. It's sorcery. I think this is the worst one. This card is so bad. I, I It bothers me that two of these things in this cycle are sorceries. So yeah. the big thing is, like, none of these add up mana-wise. None of these mm-hmm. effects add up to get you your mana back worth of spell. When you look at, like, choose two modals, right? Think yeah. about it as, like, literally four different spells, and you pick two to equal your four mana. 
So uh, like the red white one does, the red I blue think, one does. I think no, he's talking about the abilities in this card though. Oh, um, like this is what I you think th- about when when you when you think about cards like this in general, right? So like Coligan's command and like uh, Dramoka's command and stuff like that, right? Uh, you get your mana's value, not mana value, but you get your mana's worth of card no matter what two modes you pick. Um, I would argue that so like return target creature with the is two or less is that's one, like a two CMC ability. That's no, because I'm thinking like Orzhov charm and stuff like that. Okay, I'm thinking um, about Unearth. Sure, but Unearth is like a legacy card though. Like that's good. Unearth is in modern. Is it? Yeah. All right. Um. Then I'm thinking at like plus three plus three and flying is like leap of faith, which is two mana. Sure. Limited common. Sure. Uh, target player draws a card and loses one life is worth one mana. Mm, it depends. It's half of a sign in blood. Yeah, but we've seen it as two mana on um, yeah. the Eldraine card, the, the creature. It's it's the, the most expen- expensive version of this. I mean, right. you know, I don't it's, think it's, it's worth it's, sticking it's, on. Like I said, arguably, I think it's the worst. Okay, moving on. Right. Quadrix, let's not get bogged down in the weeds here. Let's try to, I was trying to, sure. I meant to go through, through these really fast. Quadrix command. Uh, one in a Simic for choose to return target creature planeswalker to its owner's hand. Counter target artifact or enchantment spell. Put two one one counters on target creature. Target player shuffles up to three cards from their graveyard into their library. It costs blue green colorless, and that's the best converted mana cost in the entire game. Four of in every deck. <laughs> yeah, this one's good. Um, it's all right. Is it's it going to take? Is it going to take over? No, but does it give you a lot of like good options? Yes. All right, uh, the real winner here, in my opinion, I'm sure, assuming your guys at least, is Prismari Command. One and is it for choose two Prismari Command, deals two damage to any target. Target player draws two cards and discards two cards. Target player creates a treasure token or destroy target artifact. Is it charm that gives me a treasure? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Or, or I mean, it it's uh, it, it kills something, right? I think that's the big thing. Is... Well, like, is it charm is draw two, discard two, or deal two damage or counter? Right. And so this can be either of the first two modes, Visit Charm plus Annihilator mode. Right, right. It's just, in my mind, I'm thinking better Electricery, right? Like, I would play Electricery if it was legal. Is it better Electricery? Electricery? I think it's better Is it Charm. I mean, I, I agree with Sorry, I agree with elect- Ricky. Elect- elect- electrolyze, not Electrolyze. Electrolyze. This is no Electrolyze, but Electrolyze is not Pioneer legal. Sure. Yeah, Electrolyze is pretty good just because it's a straight-up cantrip can, can and you get to kill multiple elves. So I would rate it slightly worse than Electrolyze, better than Is It Charm for sure. Better than Ionize, that's for sure. That's definitely for sure. I think you guys are kind of underplaying how good the counter part of Is It Charm is because that definitely leads to a lot of blowout plays. No, that's, oh, true. Um, that's true. But this is still very good. This is, in my opinion, this is the best one of the cycle. I'm going to play so. two of this and four Is It Charm in my Phoenix deck for sure. Sure, fair, definitely. I agree with that. I don't. I, I think this replaces is a charm, if anything. We will agree to disagree. Um, and on. lastly, Lorehold Command. Three and a Boros choose to create a 3-2 red-white spirit creature token. Creatures you control get plus one, plus own, gain indestructible and haste on a turn. Lorehold Command deals three damage to any target Target player, gains three life, or sacrifice a part and then draw two cards. Now, five mana, this is a little on the expensive side, um, but I think at four mana, this card is like insane. At four mana, this card's pretty good, but why does red white get village rights? Because that's the that's that's the red that's like the red side of things, right? Mm-hmm. Is it? I think so, and like, but they've also if you watch the Gavin's video, they talked about how they're trying to slowly work in things that they're trying to add to White's wheelhouse now. So um, I can see this also being like a white thing too, right? Like you're just 
giving up one of your permits for added value, right? Like Children of Coralist sat, you know, gains life and stuff like that. It's it's a thing that White has done before where you sack a permit to gain some amount of value, right? Um, I think the big thing here is it's any permanent, not just like a creature. Right. That's definitely cool for sure. Man, this card is close. It just feels bad that like, you know, it's like, oh, look, the white ones are the bad ones once again. And then we're going to fuel more YouTube videos about white being the worst color in magic. I think this is definitely two or three right now. I agree with you, actually. My my quick take for this card is that this is actually a Jeskai card. If you play it in any other deck, it's probably not good. And in my opinion, this deck has two modes. Maybe the third, now that you mentioned that it's not a creature and it's any permanent, you could potentially do some enchantments. But the two modes on this are Mega 3-2 and, and Lightning Helix. Those are the modes. And I think for five mana, uh, I could I could be convinced to do it, right? It's a 3-2 with Flash. You get a more expensive Ambush Viper. And, you know, obviously Lightning Helix is an all-star in every format you can play it in. So, yeah. I think I think it's in the middle of the pack, if not, you know, right there a little bit closer, right? Just above I think average. This, like this and Quandrix to me are kind of like neck and neck, and then Silver Quill and Witherbloom are sort of tw- like it's like Prismari's way up there, right? Mm-hmm. Quandrix and Lorehold are kind of neck and neck. Witherbloom, I'm like, okay, I can see this working. Silver Quill is like bottom tier. Man, I think that the blue, red, and the green, black are the best two by far. Like there's like A tier, B tier, and then skip two steps, right? I, I don't know. Like, again, Sorcery Speed's really letting me yeah. down the black-green one. Also, like, if it was fatal, if if I could kill a creature with the CMC, like, minus three, minus one isn't going to oh, kill much in the format. non-creature? Yes. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay, this card's not as good. I exactly, know. right? Yeah. Like, once you realize it's non-creature, non-land permanent, it's worse. I thought it Fatal Push drew me a land for two mana. No, no. it doesn't. Oh, okay. All right. I'm with you guys. I'm with okay, you guys. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Go. All right, any closing thoughts on here? Uh, I do want to say Lorehold for life. History nerds unite. Let's go. I can't wait to take my limited opponents to school. Okay. All right. Anything else before we move on to the the new, fresh, new Pioneer metagame? I just want to say, I just want to say I'm glad Wizards Cooley got my my $50 uh, uh, Olive Garden gift certificate in the mail with how good the Is It it Command is with this Mm -hmm. one. uh, I was very excited about that. So, yeah, that was the bribery well spent. Hell yeah. Let's take a look at the seven-day Pioneer metagame breakdown. Next week, we'll be back to the normal 14-day. In at number 12, we have Yorian Luka at 2.7%. For those of you that don't know, uh, Yorian Luka is kind of like Jeskai uh, using Transmogrify now, not even Luka, to turn a token into Age of Treachery. So pretty similar to what it was in, like, standard, right? Uh, number 11 with 3.6% of the meta is Mono Black Vampires. It's a sort of grindier aggressive creature deck that uses Soren Mark the the format of Soren to just cheat an extra vampire into play. Mono red aggro at 3.8% of the meta. Uh, it's what it, what it sounds like. And number nine, Orzov Ors at 4.4% of the meta. Um, what, what's the big thing here, right? Um, just cheap creatures that level up with all your auras, and then you get to buy them back with SRAM. Or you get to buy them back with Lurus, SRAM's gonna give you a bunch of a bunch of value. Uh, Mono Black Aggro at number eight with 4.4% of the meta. Uh, in my mind, one of the real true pillars of the format. Uh, it is just this grindy, aggressive deck with a bunch of cheap creatures that recur back, and just a lot of ways to thought seize your opponent and just grind out all that kind of extra value. It's number seven at 4.9% of the meta, four color Omnath. It's the standard deck, right? <laughs> like, I don't know mm-hmm. how else to describe it besides it's the standard deck. Well, uh, most the- of the cards here are banned in standard. Okay, well, it was the standard deck. Yeah, yeah. 
then we have Feathless Feather, which is kind of a, at 6.4% of the meta number five, which is kind of the the Boros version of Orzov Auras, I would say, is the best way. So you have a lot of prowess creatures or creatures that ex, uh, level up when you target them and you get to play spells uh, that just keep growing them. And one of the big things there is Reckless Rage, uh, which deals four damage to a component's creature and then two damage to a creature you control. So your creature is going to survive that because it's going to get bigger when you target it. And then you're going to pretty much kill whatever your opponent has on the board, right? Reckless Rage has been a really good card for these types of decks. It's like been super efficient removal and also triggers heroic. Super yep. dope. Love the for card. Sure. It at number five at 6.4% of the meta is Luris Burn. It's just a burn deck with Luris to try and level out some value. Number four, Rakdos Pyromancer at 6.7% of the meta. Um, it's just it's sort of just spells with graveyard synergy, right? Using Dreadhorde Archers to buy spells back. If you pe- if uh, people sort of join us the first time are used to playing Historic, it's pretty much the same thing as that deck, right? Just with a couple differences because they have Coligan's Command and I think Coligan's Command is like the only real big difference anymore, right? Oh, and Dreadbore. Dreadbore is a big thing they have too. Uh, number three, Azorius Spirits at 7.1% of the meta. It's just your your tempo. It's the big tempo creature deck of the format, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of flash creatures, a lot of value gain for your creatures, and just trying to sort of eke out a point where you can sort of nickel and dime your opponent. But actually, the board state gets pretty big with all the Lord effects they have. Number two, 11.6% of the meta, Mono Green Planeswalkers. This is your devotion deck. It puts a bunch of just mana dorks and burn series to cheat out a big Nykthos, let them play one of their big Planeswalker spells. Usually Karn... Oh, they're actually, looks like they're dropping Karn now, because I guess you don't really need Karn. Hmm. Uh, no, it looks like some of them are still playing Karn. Usually, like, Karn, the great creator, to have a real two-box sideboard, or Nissa who shakes the world, Vivian Arco Ranger, just to really get it out a lot of extra value. And then finally, Nibtlide at 12.7% of the meta. The deck, I think, is the most boring deck in Pioneer. I don't want to hate, look, let's be real, let's, let's in soapbox for a second. It's just the good stuff deck of the format. It's not exciting. I don't enjoy playing it. No one else really enjoys playing against it. It's just if you just want to play all just the good stuff cards and you're just unimaginative, there you go. I mean, it's a little more fun than that. It's sort of exciting. Mm, it's exciting for you, but if I'm trying to make content or if I'm on the other side of it, I don't care. Just next. Wow, thank you, next. <laughs> thank you, thank you, next. Like, it's 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 Yorian, right? So we're just going to shove all the best cards in the format into a deck. It's just, it's... With, there's so much place to room, like room to move around and experiment and pioneer now. We could be doing something better than this right now. Have fun. Don't just jam the best cards in the deck. Agreed. I think there's a lot of area to explore as we will see as we start talking about some of the more interesting decks come when we do our breakout. And uh, you know, but hey, teach their own. No, exactly. If that's what you like to play, good for you. It's not for me. All right, let's take a look at these challenges. These the challenges, challenges are sweet. The challenge is sweet, right? All right, let's take a look at the 20th. And at number eight, we have Mono Green Planeswalkers. Number seven, Mono Black Aggro. Number six, Mono Red. Number five, Naya Midrange is Winota. Yes, yeah, Winota. Number four, Luris Burn. Number three, Rakdos Pyromancer. Number two, Big Surprise, Big Return. A deck I was hoping would return in Jun Citadel. And number one, Rakdos Pyromancer. Gentlemen, what do you think of this challenge topic? Man. That Winota deck? Yeah. It's pretty sweet. Uh, Thopter Engineer is hot new tech. I don't know. I like this deck. It's really cool. They're playing Lantern Scout in their sideboard. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. It, it gives all your creatures lifelink when it comes in and it's a human. So like sure. against Burn, if you hit it, you just like turn your alpha into lifelink and your opponent yeah. can win. 
Um, this is this is this this deck and like anything playing Collected Company now. Uh, so like Gen Citadel, this is the deck I don't think people can forget to their Graph Diggers Cage or Weathered Runestones at home. I mean, it's a sweet deck, and I, I like the Masked Vandals here. Pretty sweet, uh, getting to be humans that you mm-hmm. can find, so you can shut off uh, all sorts of mid combat or just find them and play them to get rid of the annoying stuff. Unfortunately, Changeling means that they can't trigger Winota. That's correct, yeah. They can be found off Winota, but they can't ever trigger Winota because they'll always be human. Yeah. Also weird Nambo with Sh- uh, Changeling is you can't mutate onto them ever. Yes, that is also very weird. Um, you know, just weird Nambos that you notice, but I, I mean, I still, I still believe in block mm-hmm. theory, that there's still blocks happening, so... It makes sense that cards from different blocks don't interact as well. And as I want to point out that uh, outside of the top eight, we have one, two, uh, three, four, five, six, seven, eight copies of Niptolite. That's fine. They didn't make top eight. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything you want to say about this one, Chris? Um, I mean, just overall, I'm excited about the the Rakdos decks. I mean, any of I, kind I, of I was going to say, you like to me, to me, when I think of you playing Pioneer, it's it definitely Phoenix, but this deck's close to it, right? Yeah, just because of how much I play it in Historic, right? <clears throat> because, uh, you know, you can't you can't really play Phoenix other than in Pioneer and uh, Modern for a little bit. So uh, this is kind of one of those, you know, decks that's kind of similar. Um, I was late to the Dreadhorde Arcanist party, but once I found it, uh, I've just never let go. So it's just a card I really love. Maybe a deck that I will be playing. Um, we shall see if it sticks around. I think that, the, you know, the other titan from the theros set is pretty good and i think the fact that one kind of was so much better than the other right like you play your uh you play your uh croxa okay great well look what mine does <laughs> you know mine mm-hmm. does mine undoes everything yours did and gets me a land into play you know so, i yeah. get to draw my card and the thing is it's not even like it does both right like it's not like they discard a card and lose three life <laughs> you know it's only half the time right or depending on what they had so the fact that Croxa now kind of gets to shine, I think, is you know where it's at, and and the fact that there's not a ton of graveyard decks in the format. I was I was gonna say like I think that without Uro, right, people sort of left some of the graveyard hate at home, which definitely helped this deck out a lot. Agreed, and it's funny to me because you think when you know the graveyard hates at home, there's gonna be some you know some other decks that might shine, but um, like Lotusfield didn't get the X right. I mean, I don't know. No. I guess you, you can't play the graveyard version of that anymore, so there's not a ton of graveyard decks, really, you know, come to think of it. So. I, I think Jun Citadel showing back up is a big sign of that, though, too. If yeah. you're looking at graveyard decks. No, totally fair. Can I bring up my 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 favorite thing I've seen in this league? Or okay. in this, uh, this challenge? This challenge, sure. It, also, coincidentally, my favorite JoJo's Bizarre Adventure baseball team. Okay. With red dragons over here. Specifically, Which... blue-red dragons. Okay. Uh, this deck is hot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I for, I totally didn't realize this deck was in this league. So I, yeah, I, I pulled out talk yeah. about. I, I realized it was in this challenge. So I was going to talk about the preliminary. I played this deck on stream. This deck was hot. So what what's it doing though, Ricky? You got Sprite Dragon and Goldspan Dragon. That's eight dragons total. That's all you need. We got Bone Crusher Dragon because it's a good card, and we're just playing awesome blue red cards. Like we're just playing Ops, Wild Slashes, Sensors. Uh, dig through times and shark typhoons, and then we get to play four Silumgar Scorn and four Draconic Roar mm-hmm. because we're playing Dragon. Silumgar Scorn is a four spike for blue blue, but it's a full counter if we have a dragon in our hand or in play, which means with Goldspan Dragon, like 
tapping out on turn five for Goldspan Dragon will leave you a double blue treasure, which means your Goldspan Dragon is always protected by Silumgar Scorn in your hand. Also important to point out, Silumgar Scorn and Draconic Roar care that you had a dragon as you cast the spell. So if they kill your dragon in response to you casting the spell, you still get the full effect. Yep. Very, very, very cool cards. I've been playing a lot of Draconic Roar already before in the format. Um, Goldspan Dragon, very good. Sprite Dragon, really interesting. Um, this is like a little best of both worlds over here. It's not quite Phoenix yet, but it's got a lot of uh, good aspects. I think this might... I don't know if it's better than Phoenix yet, but I mean, of course I'm going to shove this together. I played it over the weekend on stream. Deck was a lot of fun. When you didn't have your Sprite Dragon in play or a Goldspan in hand... It definitely felt like weaker, right? Because it's re- definitely rely on having one of those dragons in play in your hand. But when you had one going, the deck was firing all cylinders. It was, it's a fun deck list for sure. Right. Goldspan Dragon plus too many counter spells has also been uh, taking over standard a little bit too. Sure. And this card is like so unbeatable. Like we knew it was good. We said it was good. This card is way better than I uh, thought it was. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I mean, hey, here's again. Do you, do you think this deck could have existed in the Earl landscape or the pre-band landscape? I don't think so. I think it could have, but that's me. I think Goldspan well, Dragon could is it that good. could it have? Yes, but would people be willing to experiment with a deck like this with Earl around? No. Maybe not. Goldspan Dragon's the real deal, guys. Uh, like they're seventy two dollars a playset. I'm not saying rush out and buy them, but like if it drops, pick them up mm-hmm, for sure. All right, uh, Chris, you have anything you want to add before we take a look at the next challenge? Um, no, I mean, I really like the deck. I mean, the more I think about it, the more I'm just like, man, Goldspan Dragon functionally costs three, right? It gives you that right. two mana back, and I think that's kind of like a big part of it. I mean, it's essentially kind of um, similar to that uh, Storm Stormwind thingy. Storm What's that card? Stormwind Storm Entity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and you know, you know, we're big fans of that card. So, decks that are getting to abuse dig through time and uh, potentially even treasure cruise, we'll see what kind of stuff does that. But uh, I'm I'm a big fan of. It. So again, we're we're re-exploring this format. I think there's a lot more to explore. I think this is kind of one of those things where I would, if you can do it, either through the rental program or just through having the cards. I mean, I'd be picking up new decks every week, trying to see what you know what you like and what kind of combos there are because there's a lot going on. All right, then let's move on to Sunday's challenge. In a number eight, we have Blue Black Control. In a number seven, we have Niv to Light by uh, really Pioneer Stalwart Claudio. Uh, number six, we have Rakdos. Let me make sure this is Arcanist. Yep, we got Arcanist here. Number five, we have just some more Jund Citadel. Number four, we have Rakdos, or sorry, Grixis released to the win. We're definitely going to come back to this, this deck. Number three, Mono Black Aggro. Number two, Rakdos Arcanist. And then in at number one, Island Go Sam E. Island Go Sam E. It's it's a prominent MTGO player for sure. Uh, I just don't remember the name. With another version of Niptolite. So there's there's kind of two rival builds of Niptolite at the moment. You have this more classic Yorian build in first place. And then you have uh, the version Claudio's playing which is really just kind of four-color Niv to Light. We're just splashing. It's 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 four-color Niv to Light because it's really focusing in on like Omnath and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of have the deck kind of going in two directions right now, whether it's going to be the 75-card Omnath build or it's going to be the big Yorian build. So we'll kind of see how that deck shakes out. But Chris, I do want to point out in that uh, winning deck list, there is a Kunaros. Heck yeah, there is. 
So uh, I'm sure that will definitely uh, sway you to vote one way versus the other when we're taking a look at this deck. Uh, the two decks I really wanted to point out in the top eight here, uh, we have Blue-Black Control, uh, which to me is the Soltai Wreck Holdover. This is kind of, in my mind, what the deck's sort of becoming, right? Um, and then the big deck I want to talk about in this, this challenge is the fourth place Grixis decklist by Mental Misstep. Um, there's a similar deck list in one of the leagues, I believe. I think this is the more streamlined version. Um, this is, again, the Grixis Release of the Wind deck. And you might say, hey, Ruckman, what's Release of the Wind do? Release of the Wind is a Rivals of Ixalan card for two. It's a blue instant for two and a blue. Exile target non-land permanent. For as long as that card remains exiled, its owner may cast it without paying its mana cost. Well, that's weird. Why do I want my opponent to be casting spells, you may ask? Well, if we exile our own Valky, we can put Tybalt into play instead for free. There we go. Found We found the uh, the version, Pioneer. Otherwise, it's just like a Grixis control shell, right? Yeah. This this reminds me of when I played the Grixis Snapcaster decks in Modern. Um, a lot of similar stuff going on. Even a lot of the same spells between Culligan's Commands and Dig Through Times, and Thought Seizes, right? Um, obviously, we don't have uh, Snapcaster Mage, but we do have an equally expensive uh, two-mana-cost creature called Jace Friends Prodigy that will become a Planeswalker, and then, of course, our Valky for now as well. I Do we think that they're going to change the way Valky works, or do you think they did what they're going to do? I don't think you can change the Release the Wind interaction. Mm-hmm. It, release the Wind can be eroded to only, like, work so it's you time to ban release to the wind <laughs> time to ban release to the wind no i don't know i mean so it's weird because it's it's cast right so it doesn't work like how you're cheating them with like uro right like mm-hmm. with, with uro when you put lands into play you're locked into playing the front side because you're playing the spell maybe there's a weird errata you could do to release the wind that changes interaction uh but it's definitely going to be something to monitor as we move forward in the format I think you can just change the modal face cards to say if you cast this card from your hand, right, you can cast either side by paying its mana cost. Sure. And other than that, right, if you would cast it from anywhere, basically just, you know, that's the stipulation. If you cast it from your hand, you can cast the backside of this. And anywhere else it comes in as the front side. Sure. So I think I think that's the fix if there is going to be one. You know, they've done that with a lot of cards talking about if you cast this from your hand, right? Um, yeah. as a stipulation so i think given that they've already done it that's probably the way to do it if they do want to do something but who knows i mean i'm not it's, sure it's it's week one right maybe mm-hmm. this what well, this is the deck to monitor right now in my opinion this is kind of the interaction of between bring to light and valky and release to the wind and valky those are the kind of things to watch sort of going forward i think that niv to lights kind of it's it's an option to them right because the deck's still just all in on bring to light so we'll definitely have to monitor how that interaction sort of goes. Mm-hmm. But it's week one of the format. I don't want to entirely write it out just yet. But it is, again, something to watch as we go forward. I, th- I think Release the Wind is the most fair version. Because as I was looking at these challenges, I noticed that like Fatal Push is approximately 40-something percent of, of the decks. It's, it's in about 40% of them, I should say. Mm-hmm. So at least you get a chance to interact with this because it has to be a permanent that's in play, right? To be released. The one it's like, this is probably the most fair you're going to get, but it is a turn three, pretty extremely powerful interaction. So it, we'll see if it, if it lasts or not, obviously bring to light costs five. So, you know, but, but uh, there's enough ramp that's probably, you know, happening around turn three or turn four anyway. So we'll see, but at least if there is an upside to this one, it's that you have to cast the Valky site first. Sure. 
Um, anything else really besides, again, sort of the blue-black control shell, the, the sort of dueling builds of Omnath here, or of, of uh, Niv to Light here? Anything else you really want to point out in this challenge? Um, not necessarily with this challenge, but I, I will say that where I think this has led, I've, I've been happy with where I thought things were going to go. I, I thought we'd see more mono-black, but it turns out with graveyard hate kind of going away, we're seeing more red-black. But mono-black is doing well in the hands of players who have played a lot of it. I think mm-hmm. players have just preferred to play Rakdos instead, which makes sense. It's a lot of fun. But if you see more Kunras, if you see more Graveyard Hate coming back, I think you will see more either straight up Mono Black or more Scissors actually coming back. Because I think Scissors is kind of the other interactive aggro deck that can do stuff. It's it's a little susceptible to certain things, more susceptible than the, the Red Black is. Obviously, Red Black, the Rakdos Pyromancer deck is better but with Graveyard Hate, it's a little tough to fight. You know, Coligan's Command kills some of your artifacts that interacts, uh, and there are ways to deal with some of the enchantments that are out there. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a slight resurgence in some of the Scissors decks if Graveyard Hate makes a comeback. Uh, I mean, that's a very good point, and we, we could talk about Scissors here in a minute. There's a couple more event decks I really wanted to point out, and then we'll sort of have our breakout combo sort of... I, I gave the real brief elevator pitch of some of the, the meta decks we could talk about again, sort of where we think the pillars are. I briefly mentioned what my pillars are at the end of last week, but we can sort of talk more about that. And we'll sort of freeform the the conversation here. But real quick, the two other decks I wanted to point out um, in the preliminary uh, from the 18th or the, the 16th. Uh, they also 5 0 to league with this by Soul NBA Airwave. There's also a deck piloted by Connorman11, who we had on the episode, on a previous episode, sort of talking about uh, one of their deck lists, which is the Hammer Time deck. Uh, this is a real take on the Dwarves Mag- Mag- Magda deck that I really like. So we're playing Toolcraft Exemplar, Giant Ox, Magda Brazen Borrowers, Sram Senior Edificer, Veteran Motorist, Lurus the Dream Den, two Wild Slashes, and then we're piloting some Consulate Dreadnoughts, Heart of Kieran, Colossal Plow. The big thing here, though, is they're playing Peace Walker Colossus, which is from Aether Revolt, a three-mana vehicle that's a 6-6, but with the ability of one into white, another target vehicle you control becomes an artifact creature until turn, letting you put it in your mana into crewing your vehicle so you can also swing through creatures at the same time. So, hey, we're, we're, we're powering up some Consulate Dreadnoughts. I don't know. This deck's fun. I played a version of Dwarves before I really saw this, or honestly, I forgot Peace Walker Colossus even existed, and I don't think I could be faulted for that. Hmm. Peace Walker Colossus, <clears throat> like the limited like bomb. Yes, I, I just have a stack of them because of all the limited I played, and that's all. Yeah, are they worth? And, no, they're not worth it. Anything right now? <laughs> there, you can you can find you can buy three for less than a dollar. Oh dang! Uh, and then in the twelve twenty, the sorry twelve the the twenty the the current league, uh, we have a five zero decklist by Irks. Uh, which, Chris, this is for you. Here's an Enigmatic Incarnation deck list. Oh, is this the one you posted here, or do I got to go find it? Uh, no, no, that was the... Um, here. It's, here it's, he it's, I it, found it's it. In the, it's in the league I sent I yeah. found Irks. All right, let's see. Um, yeah. It's, it's, a bunch, it's a bunch of one-ups, right? So we're a toolbox creature deck for those that don't know Enigmatic Incarnation. Two in the Simic at the beginning of your end step. You may sacrifice another enchantment if you do search life for a creature card with greater than cost equal to... Uh, equal to one plus sacrifice creature to mana cost. Put that card into your battle onto the battlefield. Shuffle then shuffle your library. So we get to just keep moving up the chain. Sort of playing like Chain of the Rocks, Nylea's Presence. So sort of a 
one, two, three, four, uh, really like two is the really the, the sweet spot for the the CMCs of your enchantments. And then we got a bunch of threes. We can slowly move up the chain. Some of the highlights here are depth of tension, Eidolon Rhetoric, Instant Static Caster, Clothis, and just a toolbox of creatures and a card you like, Chris Renegade Rallier. Yeah, you know what? Um, I was actually watching a controversial uh, with their you know with their personality really uh, streamer play a ton of this deck this past weekend when I had some spare time. And you know what? The by far the biggest improvement to this deck is what's that? Skyclave Apparition. Oh yeah, this card makes all of the difference, especially because you know if you exile, I think you can get tokens, right? Just any. Non, oh no, it's a non-token permanent. But still, the fact that you can get things and then just not have them get it back, because you can deal with a random token, right? Typically, you're trying to deal with things that have into the battlefield abilities or whatever else. So, Skyclave Apparition was the biggest change to this deck, both proclaimed by them and in watching it, you could really see. An interesting one I was surprised at was Archon of Sun's Grace, but it makes total sense. You know, it's just it's just not a card that I would think of as being powerful enough to make it in this kind of deck. But sure enough, there's a one of Archons of Sun's Grace. When, and when, you're, when part of your engine are a bunch of enchantments, I mean. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely not, right. Yeah. And again, you have to look at what the cost is in playing it. Nothing, right? It's a one of slot in an 80-card deck, so who cares? So some of the fun cards you're getting to see here are amazing. Um, the problem is you cannot play this deck on Arena. <laughs> you just can't. It's like 60-something rares. <laughs> it's just like, it's pretty insane. A bunch of mythics, right? But like every single creature is a rare. Almost mm-hmm. there's one un, a couple uncommons maybe, but other than that, like of the eighteen creatures, like fourteen are rares, something like that or more. Then we move on to the enchantments. Then we move on to the lands, which all have to be multicolors because we're four colors, plus the enigmatic incarnations and the fires of vengeance. So uh, very very hard to build this deck on arena. That's for sure. Well, Fifty eight rares. Well, you know, Pioneer's on Arena yet, so... Uh, yeah, very you know, true. Very it's true. only 180 ticks to rent on Mitgo, so there go check it go. out there. <laughs> there we go. That's the place to do it. Um, any any other deck list before we really start going to our breakout here? Ricky, you got anything you want to add? This deck is too much. Uh, there's, like... This this is a deck list, if I was judging at an event, I would just push this off to, like, the level one judge underneath me. <laughs> there's this super weird four-color humans deck. Okay. By by Fuji Color 400 here, right? Oh, I forgot this one, the the party deck. We're playing a uh, 3 giant killer, uh 3 Kithion, 4 inspector, 4 glint sleeve siphoner, 4 luminarch aspirant, 4 Thalia's lieutenant, 3 Kudro, 4 reflector mage, 4 rogue refiner, 4 collected company. Mhm. And then we're casting all these with uh Aether hubs unclaimed territories and then just mana confluence and just a just a mess of lands really this is a weird deck it's black white humans and we are splashing blue and green so we can play rogue refiner to power up our glint sleeve siphoners and it also can trips it's just i'd like to play this deck this deck looks fun see why play nib flight when you can play this um it plays a normal sideboard of normal cards for normal people. Hmm. And just like, is Rogue Refiner, just throw him in there. Why yeah, not? get him in there. You got Cocos. He's a human. You can cast him off your unclaimed territory, right? Yeah, he. you can hit him off your Cocos. Yeah. I mean, this deck seems so amazingly hilarious. I mean, 
like we're splashing green for a collected company. Like the, the mana base here is just like four Aether Hub, three Blooming Marsh, one Caves, four Concealed Courtyard, one Land War Waste, two Confluence, one Plains, one Swamp, four Unclaimed Territory, two Yavi Maya Coast. Like we have to cast our collected company somehow. Is there a red human we could have thrown in here just to complete the rainbow? There can't be one worth playing. Unfor- Thraben Instigators is not uh, in this format, unfortunately. Those of you at home, tune in with what red card you would add to just complete the rainbow here. And it's not a party deck, actually. We can't actually party. Maybe no, I'm, thinking no. deck Dis- I'm thinking of a deck the Discord was talking about. They were talking about party. In fact, Giant Killer is a human peasant, and peasants do, in fact, not party. Mm, I see. They can't they, afford it. <laughs> they don't even know what a party is. Uh-huh. Right. Hey, for 50 ticks on Mitgo, you can play Phoenix, which in a format, especially with very few control decks, is particularly good because now we can up that Lightning Axe count. So uh, the first time in a long time I've seen a Phoenix deck 5-0 and, you know, not the most powerful thing you could be doing for sure, but Treasure Cruise sure is a heck of a card. Do you want to play with Treasure Cruise, kids? Because, hey, Pioneer lets you play with Treasure Cruise. A card banned in literally everything. Yeah, there's only one or two decks that can really do it. And this deck goes back to the thing I like. I mean, it's playing Thing in the Ice, which I think is just, you know, such a powerful card. So, uh, and then a one of Crackling Drag just to make sure you've got enough uh, things. I'm a little surprised we're not seeing the main deck uh, Will and Rowan. But maybe in this format, it's just not, it's not there. You know, we, we shall see. But 19 lands and a few spike field hazards. I think Pioneer's just a tad too fast for Will and Rowan. Yep. Very well could be the it. case. It wasn't before. It. Previously, previously it wasn't that the, hard. The other, the other, the other problem is, and and I don't want to speak to the the players' reasoning here and why they chose not to play Will and Rowan, but I refuse to play Will and Rowan in anything other than Arena because I need those voice lines. Yes, yeah, so you just got to have them. I wonder if you could just record them and just put them on the uh, put them on your phone and just play yeah. them to yourself, just so you get exactly. That aesthetic, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, anybody else see blue black rogues in this league? I did see blue black rogues in this league. Yeah, that's uh, that is a something. And Agadim's awakening pretty hot. They get de- they they get Deathray Shaman now. Yes, 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 yes. And yes. Seagate Stormcaller, two of Seagate Stormcaller. Yeah, I think I think this is one of those decks that really makes Deathrite Shaman shine. I think we've seen too many times that Deathrite Shaman is a uh, you know uh, a worse Savannah Lions. <laughs> you know, it just reverses, just a one-two, and it does nothing because he's, you're not actively trying to. He's just a piker, right? Or he's just the squire. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah, a half-price squire, if you will. But you know, when you are taking activities to actively put stuff in your graveyard or your opponent's graveyard, this card actively shines. I'm glad that it's somewhere because I'm pretty sure I still have four of them. So, I also just want to point out in vampires. Okay. Uh, you get to play crippling fear, and crippling fear is an insane card to put in this deck. Uh, there's a vampire list that five owed by fast fake here, and they're playing two main, two side with the crippling fear. Mm-hmm. A crippling fear for those not knowing is black, black two sorcery. Choose a creature type. And creatures that aren't that type get neg three, neg three until end of turn. So you land your Kalidus off your Soren, and then you crippling fear your burn player's board and name vampire, and they lose. Yeah, you do. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I think the card's insane. I've lost to it a lot in limited. It is the stupidest thing in the world when your opponent names God and kills your whole board. Yep. Oof, yep. But, uh, all right, so... Pioneer, right? Hey, we mentioned things like Deathrite Shaman, things like 
dig through time, things like treasure cruise, because Pioneers and Fetch Lands. That's just one of the sweet things you do with Pioneers. So obviously we've talked about several of the deck lists at 5-0 to the leagues here. We've talked about several of the top decks. Really sort of surface level went into what they do, and I definitely recommend you uh, really getting into and looking if my elevator pitches uh, peak your on any of the deck lists. Um, but Pioneer, the big thing right now post-bans is it feels like you can brew again, right? Yeah. Dredge is back. Dredge is back because you can't play anything else. You can't play Oops All Spells anymore. Hmm. My prized amalgams are still going to get in there. I picked up four prized amalgams in the last like three months, so it was a sign. That well, the sign was they were going to get banned. So I guess Oops All Spells did get banned. So mm-hmm. that's we once again. Anytime Chris, we need to put a watch list of cards Chris is buying right now because that's what gets banned. True, or some uh, cards around them because. You know, Teferi, I was going to do, and then Prize the Malcolms, you can still play. You just can't play the broken combo pieces. So. Mm-hmm. We can still do broken things with that dredge deck, baby. Roll the dice, flip the cards. <laughs> Roll that beautiful bean footage. Anything can happen. I could have nothing on turn two. I've, I've streamed enough that I just lost on turn three because my opponent had four Prize the Malcolms and Narcomiba and, like, three Creeping Chills. Yeah, like, sometimes you just, like... You just you just rip like Narcomiba double prized amalgam and a despair, and your opponent just scoops on turn two. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that simple, man. It's that easy. You don't have a hand. I've got these dudes. Let's party. But anyway, so like I said, this week uh, we'll, we'll go a little longer this episode just because we want to. I do want to spend some time here as a welcome back, as a bit of an introduction into Pioneer. I think we talked about a lot of what the decks do. Um, do is there any real? Any of like the top decks we really want to break down here? How do, how do you guys want to proceed about this sort of welcome back, welcome to Pioneer? Mono black, mono green, mono red. Monos. I would put burn over mono red. i put Luris burn over mono red. Sure, they're the same deck. One plays a cat and gets a little bit further. Um, I, think the creatures are different. I think the creatures are slightly different enough. Aren't they just like, they don't play white creatures though. It's just, they just play Boros Charm. Um, sure, but the mono red deck lists don't play Eidolon usually. They're playing Bone Crusher Giants and Abbots of Carol Keep. Sure. I think there are so many ways to get into this format on a budget, which is where I would start again. I think some of the decks we're talking about are, are not necessarily where I'd start. Um, if I was starting to look to look at a deck, I would probably start looking at something that is a little bit tempo-based with some good spell backup. I'm thinking Feathers, you know, I don't know. I don't think that, sadly, Rakdos is super budget-friendly anymore, but Scissors is, Phoenix is. We, we, didn't, talk about, we that... didn't talk about Scissors, and I'm sure you know people know what Scissors is, but Chris, do you want to talk about what Scissors is first? Yeah, essentially, Scissors is uh, is a deck that uses a two-minute enchantment that makes an artifact of 5-5, five, five. and I don't even remember what the enchantment is called anymore. To be and honest, Soul Artifact. You. There you go, and Soul Artifact, and then the Artificing 1-3. There's a 1-3 uncommon creature that does the same thing. It makes a a artifact a 5-5 five, five, until you or uh, until it leaves the battlefield. And the big thing there is that we get Darksteel Citadel, which is an indestructible land that is also an artifact. And that thing is hard to kill, let me tell you. That thing does not get fatal pushed. So and the or fact you have that our a variety of other cheap creatures like You do. There's there's a whole package. There's a whole package I'll talk about. Your your big other one is Ginger Brute because it's got haste and it gets evasion. So that's a big one is players that are looking to, you know, like your Luka decks that are trying to put out tokens, mm-hmm. do not get blocked by uh, Ginger Brute, right? It can only be blocked by creatures with haste, I believe, is is the text on that card. So 
your creatures are evasive. Um, again, your your big thing is the Darksteel Citadel. You really want to put it on that. You also get to play Mutavault, which is a, a great aggressive card to play because it doesn't get Wrathed. Um, along with your Drexel Citadel doesn't get Wrath. So you, you've got a lot of protection. You can play Stubborn Denial because you're making a lot of 5-5s. Five and Shrapnel Blast is another good reason to play the deck. Shrapnel Blast is the is the the creme de la creme. That is the uh, cream of the crop rising to the top because, again, you draw two of those and it's half their life. So you really don't have to do that much damage if things go terribly wrong. Um, that The reach that that card that that, yeah, the reach that that card gives you for just two mana uh, finishing off games is is insane, and especially now that you have to do with Uro. You know, players are starting at twenty six life essentially with Uro, and now that they aren't, I think you're going to see at least at the casual tables a lot more of that deck because it's a very very reliable aggro deck. There's a lot of decks that give you a lot of lands that give you multicolored mana, which is what that deck wants. We did see a Jeskai version out recently, which I think is good. I can think your big thing is you just want that Shrapnel Blast, but. That is a way that with a, a suite of cheap creatures, you can pick whatever you want. I even, when I was throwing a budget version together, I put in uh, some 1-1 one, one artifact creature that when it died, gave a plus one, plus one counter or something. That worked fine, right? You can just find your cheapest artifact, commons or uncommons, your favorites, and put them in there. One of the big ones you really want, you want to get Dark Steel Citadels, you want to get Ginger Brutes. Those are your your main two, along with that Artificer guy, and obviously your Insole Artifacts, and that's kind of the makeup of your deck. And, you know, the rest will fill itself out. And I think the big thing, too, is because it's very artifact-based, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can get away with playing the Pain Lands. And yes. some of the cheaper blue, right? You don't need the shocks for it. You can right. play You can play your Pathways. You mm-hmm. can play your, your Pain Lands. You can play, like, Spire. Um, was it Spire of Industry? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have plenty of cheaper land options than trying to buy into your big shock lands. Um, if we're talking budget, I know on the Discord pinned, we've talked about this a couple weeks ago, pinned to the Pioneer channel on our Discord, which will link it below in the description of the podcast episode. There is an ongoing, growing, evolving list of budget deck lists in $150, most like $100 budget range. Um, mm-hmm. The next couple of weeks on our YouTube channel, I will be putting out uh, for the weekly deck lists uh, about a $50 budget. We might go a little over. We might go, this week was a little under, right? But I'm going to mm-hmm. shoot for like, around a $50 budget, at least paper price. And then it was, this week's was like $46 paper, 13 ticks and MTGO for mono blue snow, which is a deck that I yep. put together and sort of adjusted based on a list that Chris put out a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And you know what I'm coming around to that? I think it's better in pioneer than it is in historic, but in historic uh, opt is a bad card. I never thought I would say that, but uh, I'm, ta- I'm going to take that out of my historic list and I'll, I'll test it for you guys and see what's up. It's not it's not terrible. It's not the worst card in the deck. I'm not saying we need to go edit a video and, and change it or anything, but that's one thing that I'm noticing as Opt is nowhere near as good as I thought it was. You draw so many cards anyway, like you just need action cards and you don't have mana to spare a lot of the time. You've, you're doing so much other stuff with your mana, holding up Stormcrow, holding up Ascendant Spirit mana, holding up Counterspell mana. You don't have time to sit there and try and opt. It sounds like a weird thing, but it's just it's something I noticed all the time. I never wanted to see an opt. I'd rather have a land or an action card to go. So really love Mono Blue. Uh, Ruckman put out an insanely well done deck tech on that. Uh, I, I watched it and it was very very incredibly well done. Um, what was the other list I was going to bring up real quick that was uh, semi budget? Um, oh, as the amount of fatal pushes in the format varies, I think we want to look at the black white. Uh, enchantments deck the black white auras auras yeah auras have auras yeah because there's not as much of that running around right now 
but I think that's because the amount of Fatal Pushes is very, very high, and a deck that deals with Fatal Push incredibly well is Rakdos Pyromancer or Rakdos, you know, Dreadhorde Arcanist, because it gets all its creatures back, <laughs> right? You Fatal Push them, hey, that's okay, I can either, you know, sack it in response to draw two cards, or I can get it back later, so that's just a better deck in a field of Fatal Pushes, but if the amount of that starts going down, because it's one of the decks playing Fatal Push, Orisoft Warriors will come back in the competitive metagame, I think you can still play it at home, and whatever events you might be able to find that are safe, I think that's going to be a very, very good deck. I just don't think it's being represented because there's a deck in the metagame that is better positioned against Fatal Push. I will say, though, with Orzhov Ors, you will have to tweak it a little to get under budget. Right now they're playing Stone Quill Serpents. They have, like, Thought Seasons in the board. Oh, yeah. Um, so you, if you go back to Favorite Hoplite over Stone Quill Serpents, mm-hmm. if you change those Thought Seasons into, like, Agonizing Remorse, if you don't mind getting rid of the Godless Shrines you can get the deck under $100. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's a deck that you can make those upgrades to. And by the way, Stone Quill Separate is another really, really good one for in-soul artifact, but you don't necessarily have to play it. It's just, it's got a lot of text. Again, it's one of those cards they were just printing with a, a million lines of text. So very, very good card. If you've got them, great. If you don't, it's okay. It's not really necessary for the deck. It's just a nice little thing to have. Ricky, obviously, I didn't mean to step over your your, your toes there with the mono red. What are, what are your sort of your, your tips or points for trying to get back into Pioneer? Like getting back, like starting fresh, like you're wanting to but, get into what, budget both, decks. Right? Both like people, you know, who had an interest in the format but really stopped off because of a variety of reasons or just not liking the format. You know, assuming people are either brand new, fresh to the format or they haven't played like since pre-COVID. Um, like the big thing is to like really get used to your deck. It's sort of like almost like a modern level of like needing to know your own deck and like the different matchups and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as like getting into the format... Like, uh, I've, I've talked about budget decks in the past and stuff like that, um, but I, I don't think the budget is a big deal. I mean, it's going to be bigger to some people, uh, but Chris Ruckman really covered that. I think, like, find a deck that you really like and just stick with it. I wouldn't immediately try to build a million decks all at the same time. Um, like, just one, maybe two decks. And depending on, like, what you're playing, especially, like, you're playing on mtgo or but if you're playing like webcam and stuff like that like have a lot of fun with it like uh it's dumb but like runes is a deck that you could play mm-hmm. and it's going to be like the most fun fnm deck you're ever going to play if fnms ever come back but when they do you know it's going to be great if you're playing a lot of like webcam magic and stuff like that if you're playing mostly on mtgo playing leagues grinding the challenges and stuff like that you're definitely going to want to get into one of the more top tier decks. And in which case I think like your pillars of the format being mono black burn Niv to light mono green planeswalkers and like some form of like aura or control deck. Like those are going to be your big pillars of the format. Mm. Uh, So it's really important to just learn those matchups and get in the testing while you can. There's going to be rogue decks out there. You're going to hit stuff you've never seen. That's part of the format. It's a lot of fun. Um, But you're also going to see a lot of mono black, a lot of burn, a lot of mono green. And I so. think one of the big one of the big things too, if you're if you're trying to get into MTGO until hopefully um, my projected release of Pioneer Masters on Arena is probably unfortunately not until like May or June, probably sometime after Strixhaven between the uh, Forgotten Realms release. That's sort of where I'm thinking it's going to fall out. Of course, that's all speculation on my end. Right now, because of how just hype and people are on the format, the the um, tournament practice queues on MTGO, the free practice rooms on MTGO right now, 
are it is very fast to find a game when you're not in a league. Leagues are even faster. It's a great time to jam. If you're looking for webcam, um, it's a little harder to coordinate just because everyone's got everything else going on. You can ask for games on our Discord. MTG at Home, I know, organizes a bunch of stuff. We have a – and I don't know what their proxies are. I think they're pretty proxy-friendly over there. Um, for our monthly webcam events, which the next one coming up will be March the 6th, we are 12 proxies. So, And those could be any cards you want, 12 proxies. Um, that's a lot of fun. Always great turnout. A lot of fun. People are very helpful. If you're looking to get advice on your deck, even our discord is great. There's a lot of people always willing to help talk through deck list advice, talk ideas. The discord is very active. Um, any, anything else you want to add Ricky on your thoughts sort of the format? I think the format's still a lot of fun. It can be experienced at different levels. I think that's a big key to pioneer. Um, and enjoying it unlike modern and stuff like that where like the the curve ramps up really really quickly with pioneer there really is because the card the card power level disparity is not as big as other formats mm-hmm. there definitely is disparity in card power level for sure but for the most part if you build a deck with a plan that will proactively try to win the game you will have a decent shot playing casually but, you know, the competitive level is going to be a completely different experience. And I think that's good for the format. Mm-hmm. Just like if you go around the practice tables and the for fun tables on MTGO or the webcam, stuff like that, you can have more fun with more brewy decks and then eventually get them to be competitive. That's the whole draw to the format for me. Very yeah, well for said. sure. Very I well said. agree. Um, I guess my real thoughts sort of building on what you, you both said um, again, I agree with what Ricky said. The pill is the format. I also think that like spirits and a fires deck are kind of kind of waver in and out there um, as real cards to really think about in the format. Um, I just want to really impart on some of the things we've learned over the the the, the format's evolution. You know, you need to worry about Thoughtsies being in the format. You need to worry about Fatal Push being in the format. Obviously, don't let those thoughts of those cards really th- push you out of not playing against something. But you need to be prepared for those cards. There are aggressive decks here that can end games on turn four, and that's something you need to think about. Can you beat a turn two five-five? We mm-hmm. joked about that at the very beginning of the format. We joked about that in the middle of the format. We're joking about that in the format now. A turn two five-five is very real. I think if you're trying to start a collection in Pioneer and sort of take it where to go, I think you want to look at, and this is my personal opinion, if you look at a base green or a base black deck and start picking up those staples... Those will really open you up into where you can go. I think the green deck will really limit you a little more than the other options, but you'll have your mana elves. You maybe get some Nykthoses and stuff like that. You'll have some very powerful Planeswalkers that can take you in certain directions. And then with black, once you have your Thought Seas, once you have your Fatal Pushes and some of your lands, you're just really layering in whatever extra color you want. The mana base in Pioneer, I think, is actually more flexible than people realize. Um I think some of the allied colors you need, we need like one more land to make it truly budget, but there are a lot of options in your enemy colors that you don't need to pay $50 for your play a set of shock lands. Obviously those are going to be good, but you have a lot of land options that even in like the four fun queues, if you want to, if you need to play a few gates or enter tap lands, play a few under tap lands. It's the forts, a lot of space and you have a lot of options. The format can be played heavily on a budget if that's what you need to do and that's what you find fun. 
Pioneer is whatever you want it to be, and I think that's what's best at the fort right now. You know, p- casual modern. Ricky mentioned modern plays, and to be casual modern players are still playing the top t- t- like the top decks of the format casually, right? You go talk to a casual pioneer player; they're playing butt fight tribal. They're playing just gates, which, like, although I'll mention, I think gates is actually potentially a real deck in pioneer. You know, people have their fun brews in pioneer. It's not as it's not a diehard following yet um, in the sense of modern. I think there's a lot of Pioneer faithfuls, but it's not a lot of the diehard set of, hey, what's your pie, What's your modern collection? Oh, I've got like five of the top tier decks. Which one do I want to play this week? Pioneer is like, oh, I've got like one of the top 12 decks and then just a bunch of decks I have sort of brewed up, playing around for fun, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just think that love it or hate it. And again, I feel for you if you invested heavily into the cards that got banned monetarily um that's always a feel bad moment but i think for the health of pioneer for the the big hype in it air quotes essentially rebirthing the format here it's going to be for the good in the long run and i'm excited to see where things go completely agree yeah i think i I think you know that i think that we'll talk more as the weeks come on on more decks it's just always good to start off with kind of the budget decks and the format staples that have been around because the format is so inexpensive compared to a lot of others it's a good Mm -hmm. place to start we'll go over some of the more medium and intense decks that are a little bit off the radar in weeks to come yeah uh i do want to preview that and just say i've played elves like for a week and a half now i think the deck is insanely real yeah, I, I think it's real. I, I don't think it's top tier. I think we were playing against decks that were kind of it's not... it's a one point it's a one point five. I, I yeah I, I I might give you that. I think it's closer to a two. Um, I'll give you a one point eight final offer, but <laughs> uh, but uh, it's it certainly is way better Hold than on, I is that it was. is that cash or store credit? I'm thinking <laughs> retail here, right? I've got overhead. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally fair. But the deck is way more real than I thought it was. Shaman of the Pack just, again, is is kind of like your three-mana Shrapnel Blast, you know, is is the reality of it. It just it, it gives you so much reach in an aggro deck that really goes wide now, thanks to War Master. So there's a lot there, and yeah, I definitely like it a lot. Yeah, and again, let me let me just remind you, don't put away those Graph Diggers, Cage, or Weathered Runestones. Those are going to be so good in the format still. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, gentlemen, we have one more thing to do unless there's any other welcome back to Pioneer Thoughts. No, let's go. Chris, it is time once again. Summon that theme song. Let me ask you, fine folks, does it slap? All right. Welcome to Does It Slap, which is our end of the show uh, segment where we take a look at use this minute deck list from our Discord, and they want us to ask answer the question for them. Does this deck list slap? And if mm-hmm. so, how hard does it slap? How this hard? week we have Bergy Pingers from Tired of Tales. This deck list is a mono red build featuring a bunch of pinger effects with a bunch of cheap spells and ways to keep those spells going. So let's take a look here. Four electrostatic field with one in a red with Defender. Whenever you cast an instant sorcery spell, electrostatic field does one damage to each opponent. Two Firebrand Archer. It's a 2 1 for 2. Whenever you cast a non creature spell, Firebrand Archer does one damage to each opponent. Four Runaway Steamkin, one a red for a 1-1 one, one, that puts a 1-1 one, one counter on it whenever you cast a red spell. And then if it you can remove three counters on it, you get to add three red mana to your mana pool. Thermal Alchemist, one in a red for a 0-3 Defender with tap, do one damage to each opponent. Whenever you cast Instant Sorcery spell, untap Thermal Alchemist. 
And then finally, we have new in Kaldheim, Birdie, God of Storytelling. Two to red for a 3-3 legendary creature god. Whenever you cast a spell, add red until add red to your mana pool. Until end of turn, you don't lose this mana as steps and phases end. And creatures you control can boast twice during each of your turns rather than once, but we don't care about that part of the text. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, then for spells, we have four copies of Crash Through, which is a one red mana source from creatures you control, gain travel to turn, draw a card. Expedite, one red for instant. Creature, target creature you control gains haste until under turn, draw a card. Four copies of Magmatic Insight, additional cost to cast Magmatic Insight, discard a land card, draw two cards. Two copies of Shock, which is the simple one red mana for deal damage to any target. Four copies of Warlord's Fury, which is a one red source for creatures you control. Get first strike till end turn, draw a card. Four Wild Slash, which is really the the big pioneer staple of a one mana shock effect, but uh, it, it's upgraded if you have a creature with power four or greater. The damage can't be prevented this turn. And then four copies of Light Stage, two to red with exile the top cards of your two top cards of your library until the end of your next turn. You may play those cards with Spectacles for a single red. And we have three Castle Unbreath, three Dwarven Mine. 10 mountains, our sideboards, two abrades, four boiling, whirling vortex, two skull crack, four smash smithereens, three challenges acolyte. Gentlemen, what are your thoughts on this deck list? Other than the uh, limited mana base that we're playing, uh, limited in every sense of the word, where we're playing only 16 lands, uh, I really like this deck. Um, I don't think we probably need the. Uh, either the shocks or or something, right? There's got to be a spell or something like that that we can cut to get a few more lands in here. It's got to be so tough. How do we even cast Magmatic Insight when we? I totally didn't. I totally didn't even think about Magmatic Insight until I was reading the deck list out. I'm like, yeah, we don't we don't have any lands to pitch to it. No, 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 we don't. Yeah, we need to play every single one. So I, I really do think you need to find a way to make this deck 20 lands. Uh, I don't even think you want to play the non-mountains to be honest with you if, if there's a non-mountain you guys can think of that's worth playing let me know um, but i don't think it's these going are going to be either um ramanop runes just as like a late game finisher or ramanop runes is it yeah. ramanop runes or like maybe sun scorched desert yeah let's let's get these out of here let's get these dwarven mines and Empress out of here let's start playing sun scorched desert and ramanop ruins just for that little bit of extra reach to end the game because these so, aren't doing anything this this is not relevant stats to our creatures that we're trying to do we're not swinging with some of our creatures even have defender right and and we we cannot afford like when are we ever going to hit four mana in this deck to activate castle Empress? never what do we never? When, when I play it and we only draw lands, that's when we're going to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally fair. But that Dwarven Mine, let's get those out of there. Um, other than that, other than needing to find some some cuts for, for lands, um, I, I really like what we're doing here. This seems like a lot of fun. So uh, let me know when you guys are ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. To... I, was, I was just going to add some other lands we could play here. I think if we fit in like Spike Field Hazards or Shatter Skull Passes... Uh, those give us some spells while yes. also giving us lands. Yes. And since all of our creatures are twos, right, and we don't want to cast that many spells until we have a creature in play, mm -hmm. we can play the land side of Spikefield Hazard and not worry about it entering tapped. Agreed. If it's if it's our first land uh, that we want to play, yeah, let's let's cut something for that because we it feels like we might need a, a small amount of of removal in here, but. You know, our plan is the pinging. So if we can't block successfully or trade our creatures or whatever we want to do, you know, we're not getting there anyway. So could we turn magmatic inside into like tormenting voice? Um, it needs to cost know. one. There's, there's got to be like another red spell that we that draws a card that we play two of. Magmatic insight's probably getting cut in my opinion, right? All right, let me know when you're ready. Go for All it. I went deep on this. Okay, first off, mm -hmm. 
16 mountains. We don't need any more lands than that. Okay. We are going to cut down. Um, we're going to remove both shocks and uh, all four wild slashes. Get those out of there. Okay. We're also going to remove two firebrand archers. We've already got eight of that effect. We don't need another one. Sure, sure. So let's remove those firebrand archers. That gives me eight cards to shove into this deck. We are going to shove three copies of Valakut's Awakening into this deck. Uh, that's okay. a land early mm-hmm. and late game. When we've got our mana off of our Steamkin, we can cycle away all the lands that we've drawn with our cantrips. Uh, okay. Now, after that, we're going to be playing uh, four copies of Renegade Tactics which is one red sorcery target creature can't block this turn, draw a card. Okay. And we'll play two copies of Ryle. Ryle, huh? Ryle is risky, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's another cantrip that we can play. Sorry, one copy of Ryle, and that gets us the eight cards I need to replace. Mm -hmm. Um, But the Valakut's Awakenings are going to be huge in this deck. You're going to need to cycle your hand. You're going to need to find your birdies, find your combo pieces. Um, I like that card. The Ryle could also be a Cathartic Reunion if we wanted to. That's probably way safer. A one of Cathartic Reunion. But the Renegade Tactics gives us another cantrip, which is going to be the most important part of this deck here. Magmatic Insight is great because it lets us ditch the lands when we're going off. Sure. I think 16 lands is fine. 19 lands when you consider our Valakut's Awakenings. Because uh, we do want to play those as lands on turns one and two of this game. Uh, the fire, the fireborn archers, like are just so fragile, mm-hmm. and we want electrostatic fields and thermal alchemists that do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then we just need to make sure we find our runaway steamkin and Bergy. We need more cantrips. We need to be casting cantrips. If we're going off, we are going to have a creature in play. So the needing a target to cast renegade tactics should not be hard, even if we aren't going off our opponent's probably going to play something. So we should we should be having something to target there. I think this deck is super sweet. I love this deck. Yeah. Fair enough. I I think, like, looking at it, I think it'll just depend on how many lands you are drawing as you're, like, comboing. Because the thing is, you need to get to three for Bergy or whatever, which is which is why I'm, I'm very skeptical of the 16. I mean, you know, but this deck... 19. Right, right, and that's fair, right? I think cutting the Firebrand Archer for a couple more lands would be an, an easy change to this deck also without having to uh, to go that route, just because, again, I'm, I'm very skeptical that we're going to be wanting to pay that much mana or have that much mana, but maybe so. And at the very least, I like your idea of cutting the Archer for two more lands. We'll, we'll probably hit... We just need one of these creatures plus Bergy to kind of combo off infinitely, right? Also, Ricky, I, no no Flip Chandra? I also like... N- no Flip Chandra. Uh, I also like a one-of Dragon Mantle... In, instead of the cathartic reunion right dragon mantle is a one mana enchantment so it won't trigger our creatures right mm-hmm. but when it comes to play it does draw us a card and it gives the enchanted creature fire breathing um this sounds stupid but we're playing like expedite for haste we're playing warlord's fury for trample or uh sorry first crush through is trample uh-huh. Warlord's first and strike, yeah. warlord's fury is first strike renegades tactics can make our opponent's creatures not block there is a chance that we're just going to generate enough mana off of our Steamkins and Burgies that we could just shove those seven mana we've got floating around into our Burgie and just swing for the game. That's an interesting thought. That's an interesting thought. I, I like this deck a lot. Uh, I'm, I am, I I think it, it needs a little work, definitely. The Dwarven Line and Castle Emberth really just don't do anything for us here. 
Mm-hmm. Um, ramming up ruins could be fine, but we can't play any lands that don't tap for red. So we can't play Scorch Desert, in my opinion. Sure, uh, sure, light up the stage, very good. Um, it's always going to be turned on when we're going off, so it's going to be a one one mana spell. Uh, yeah, I think that Valakut's, uh Awakening is going to be the way we... Not Valakut's Awakening, is that the name of the card? Yeah. I think it is. Mm-hmm. It is. The one that's a land on the back that lets us cycle our hand. Yeah, yeah. The three mana. Uh, because I think that's going to get us out of a lot of bad situations where we've drawn all our lands and we've got this mana floating with Runaway Steamkin. Uh, remember, if we have Bergy and Steamkin out, we're generating the mana to keep cantripping with Bergy while also just pooling a bunch of mana with Runaway Steamkin. That's, that's Magical Christmas Land. We we got to play our field, our Steamkin, and our Bergy. They all stayed alive and to play. I mean, yeah, we don't, we don't need sometimes. it. We don't need it, but like, there's, mm-hmm. there's places where that can happen. Sure. I, I believe in... I believe in miracles. You believe in Santa Claus? Uh, that or just two runaway steamkins can happen. Honestly, a lot can happen in this deck. So. No, I, I like the possibilities here. This is this is one of my uh, more interesting decks, or, or one of the decks that I like more having seen it, right? Like anything that kind of storms off, and this definitely does it, and uh, that's a lot of fun, right? We've seen runaway steamkin kind of storm decks before. Birdie, obviously, is just kind of the new, the new flavor to them, so... But yeah, I think this is a, a very fun, extremely budget uh, deck to kind of just mess around with and just, you know, hey, do combos and magic. So Right. All right. Are we ready to give final slap ratings? Sure. I'm going to give this a three mana cost for Bergy out of five mana cost of Harnfell Horn of Bounty. Mm, good call. Um, I am going to give this a 16 out of the 18 lands we should be playing. Okay, Ricky? Damn, I was going to say 16 out of 19 lands. <laughs> I get them every time, folks. Come every back every week <laughs> to see how similar he, Ricky and I think for me to just say it first. He reads me all the time. I um, got the reads. I'm oh. going to say, I'm going to give this deck a uh, perfect score, a perfect 6 out of 9, because I love it that much. Nice. That's it. That's all I got. All I right. Got. Well, Tyrant, thank you for the sweet deck list. And again... Throw those in the Doesn't Slap decklist uh, in the Discord. Discord on the Discord if you uh, want a chance of them being read out on here. we got plenty of entries to go through. And uh, while we do love the people who submit multiples, we do kind of want to cycle in some new people here and there. Um, so if you have a decklist you want to hear us talk about on the show, throw it in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we promise we'll always be nice about it. That's right. Um, all right, gentlemen. Well... Chris, Ricky, thank you for joining this week. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. You can find this show, uh, me running the show's this Twitter, actually, uh, specifically, over on Twitter at Crew3Podcast. You can find Chris on Twitter at... It's underscore Christmas. And you can find Ricky at... At also Steve. If those weekly Pioneer Decks text piqued your interest, that's Crew3MTG on YouTube. Or I also stream a few nights a week, Crew3MTG on Twitch. Once again, we want to plug that Patreon, patreon.com slash crew3mtg. Help us keep the podcast and this all the stuff we do going. And then finally, again, there's a link to Inked Gaming below in the description that will apply our affiliate code and take you to our uh, playmat store if you either want to buy one of our playmats or just use our affiliate code and then buy something else. There we go. All right. Well, Pioneer's certainly back in a big way, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Niv to Light player, stay at home, though, please. We'll talk to you all next week. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.